Welcome. You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hello and welcome to this series of readings from Discover Magazine, a presentation of Airs LA. Today's article from the September-October issue of the magazine, Who Were the Vikings? Today's popular notions of Norse seafarers hardly touch the surface of their true identity or their influence around the globe and across the centuries. Marauders, brutes, barbarians, the fabled Viking people, or Norsemen, have long been portrayed as cruel warriors whose way of life included little more than pillaging and plundering. To be fair, They did engage in plenty of raiding. From A.D. 800 to the 11th century, many Scandinavians departed what we now know as Norway, Sweden, and Denmark in search of riches. Throughout much of Europe, and as far away as modern-day Russia, Iceland, and North America, the nomadic sailors engaged in trade, exploration, and war but the Vikings also spent extended periods in foreign locales, leaving lasting marks of a rich culture that modern depictions often overlook. Vinland, or the land of wine, isn't listed on any modern map. A thousand years ago, however, it served as the stage for a seminal moment in world history. Icelandic sagas record it as the place where, 500 years before Christopher Columbus ever sailed a ship, the Vikings became the first Europeans to set foot in the so-called New World, even building a short-lived settlement. By the late A.D. 980s, these Norse seafarers had already established colonies in Iceland and Greenland, the Atlantic stepping stones that brought them within range of the Canadian coast. From there, according to the oral reports of the time, written down two centuries later in The Saga of the Greenlanders and The Saga of Eric the Red, the Vikings stumbled upon North America around A.D. 1000. Over the next few decades, they made several expeditions to this new-to-them world. They built homes, harvested resources, traded, and clashed with the native peoples. Then, as quickly as they arrived, they abandoned Vinland. The two accounts often differ. In the Saga of the Greenlanders, after the accidental sighting of unknown western lands, Leif Erikson explores three distinct regions of Canada. Heluland, or Land of Flat Stones, which was probably the barren Baffin Island, Markland, or Land of Forests, which was likely located along the Labrador coast, and Vinland, a warm region in what is now the province of Newfoundland, where Ericsson and a small crew wintered. In the saga of Eric the Red, Ericsson is portrayed as the accidental discoverer of Vinland, and an Icelandic merchant named Thorfinn Karlsefni is its explorer. Details aside, we now know that these tales are at least broadly true. 
the Vikings did venture to North America in roughly the timeline the sagas describe, becoming the first people to bridge the world's oldest cultural divide. For centuries, scholars lumped Vinland together with other fabled realms, like Atlantis or Avalon. But archaeologists kept looking, and the search paid off in 1960, when Anne Stein Ingstad and Helga Ingstad of Norway excavated a series of earthen structures located on Newfoundland's northern edge, near the entrance to the Gulf of St. Lawrence. The site, Lance O'Meadows, proved to be of Norse origin. To date, it's the only verified Viking settlement on the continent. It consists of eight timber frame buildings with thick walls of sod, built in the same style as Viking settlements in Greenland and Iceland. Some were dwellings, others forges and workshops. The digs uncovered evidence of iron production and ship repair, among other activities. Experts estimate that this cluster of homes and workshops could have supported 70 to 90 people year-round, and likely took at least two months to construct. Brigitta Wallace, a Swedish-Canadian archaeologist who worked with the Ingstads and conducted further excavations for Parks Canada in the 1970s, is careful to note that there is more to Vinland than this outpost. Quote, Many people make the mistake of thinking that Vinland is just a point on the map, she says, but it's a land, the same as Greenland or Iceland. It means a big area. End quote. The first part of the word explains why this vast area so enticed the Vikings. It was flush with wild grapes, the key ingredient in wine, which didn't grow anywhere near their desolate homeland. Quote, a chieftain's power in Norse society was based primarily on how he could show off and be very impressive. Wallace says, having wine would impress the hell out of anybody because it was so rare, end quote. According to the Saga of the Greenlanders, Erikson loaded his ship with grapes during his first voyage. He and his followers were also drawn to the timber, since Greenland has virtually no trees. Given the long-term architecture at Lance O'Meadows and the bounty surrounding it, Wallace says, quote, I think this was a place they intended to use for a long time, but according to the archaeological evidence, they didn't, end quote. That, too, fits with the sagas. The Vikings seem to have stayed at Lanso Meadows for a few decades at most, then returned to Greenland for such a hardy culture that was capable of surviving the harsh northern climate, it may seem strange that they failed in this relatively hospitable place. But experts have a few hypotheses to explain this. One theory claims that they were simply driven out by the native peoples, whom they called Skraelings, a problem they never faced in uninhabited Greenland and Iceland. Indeed, this is the reason given by the saga of Eric the Red. Though trade between the two groups began amicably, the situation quickly devolved, and it seems the Vikings more or less fled in, quote, a great shower of missiles, end quote. After a deadly skirmish with the natives, the saga states, they, quote, were now of the opinion that though the land might be choice and good, 
there would always be war and terror overhanging them from those who dwelt there before them, end quote. Of all the artifacts at Lanso Meadows, only one may speak to the relations between Vikings and Native Americans, a single arrowhead lodged in the wall of a house. Of course, it's impossible to say whether it arrived there directly via bow or whether it already existed within a piece of sod the Vikings used in building the house. More likely, a combination of factors forced the Vikings to sail back from whence they came. Wallace notes that their home base in Greenland was meager itself, and it may have been unsustainable to use a far-flung colony of just a few hundred to populate an even further-flung colony. Climatic evidence has suggested their retreat also coincided with a cold snap and likely an advance of sea ice, making it difficult to travel between Greenland and Vinland. Meanwhile, lake sediment samples collected near a former Norse farm hint that droughts prompted their sudden departure. According to a March 2022 Science Advances study, either way, they were gathering resources from a location nearly as far from Greenland as Greenland was from Europe, their main source of trade. Without the advantage of proximity, why reinvent the supply chain? Lanso Meadows, the only proof we've discovered that Vikings reached North America, matches the description of Stromfjord, the year-round settlement that according to the Saga of Eric the Red, the Vikings used as a launching point for deeper journeys into Vinland. But if the saga rings true, and there's no reason to think it doesn't, broadly speaking, the Vikings built a second settlement, and it remains undiscovered. Hope was a seasonal site located further south, where the Vikings collected timber and grapes in the summer. Archaeologists have found no sign of it, but the sagas offer a few clues. Besides grapes, it was rich in salmon, and the natives made boats of animal hide. Based on those criteria, Wallace is confident Hope was somewhere in modern-day eastern New Brunswick, likely in the area around Miramichi and Chalier Bay. It is the northernmost extent of the wild grape range, along with the butternut trees whose wood has been found at Lanso Meadows. Other researchers have proposed locations along the Atlantic seaboard, as far south as Maine, Boston, and New York. But wherever Hope once stood, Wallace doubts any trace remains. As a light, temporary settlement, it likely wasn't sturdy enough to be detectable centuries later. In 2016, Sarah Parsak, a University of Alabama archaeologist who uses satellite imagery to locate buried structures, discovered what seemed like a promising lead at Point Rosé on the southwest end of Newfoundland. While digging, her team found iron, but it turned out to be the kind that develops naturally in bogs rather than being smelted. Since then, the search hasn't brought any progress. So, Wallace argues, hope may continue to elude us. Quote, I think it would be extremely hard to find any kind of physical evidence, she says, and that's a pity, but I certainly wouldn't pay for an excavation, end quote. Nevertheless, archaeologists, 
amateur and professional, are on the lookout, especially in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And whatever future searches don't reveal about the Norse in North America, one thing is certain. Quote, people love Vikings, end quote. Wallace says, adding that the subject is still ripe for research. Fifty years after she began work at Lanso Meadows, she still keeps up on all the latest scholarly articles. Quote, Every day I find one that is absolutely worth reading. End quote. This article was written by Cody Cotier and is the cover story for the September-October issue of Discover Magazine. My name is Brian Lemon. See you next time and stay curious.